What's going on, quitters? It's another episode of Don't Quit Your Day Job. You know me. I am your host, comedian Max and Allen. Today is April nine, April sixteenth, two thousand and twenty-two. Spring has sprung. Everything is blooming. It is colorful outside. Uh, my depression is weaning. That's right. We're feeling good out here. Uh, just on the top of the episode, I just want to remind everybody to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, you can find the YouTube channel and all the other platforms on Instagram at DQYDJ underscore pod. That's the abbreviation for Don't Quit Your Day Job underscore pod. Check it out. I'm trying to hit 1,000 subscribers by the end of the year. If I say it out loud enough, maybe it'll happen. You know how that works. Uh, <laughs> but guys, today I have a very special guest. Guess what? Not a comedian. A bit bonus points on that one. Today I am joined by CG generalist artist. Vera Perez. <laughs> you can clap for yourself. <laughs> thank you for coming on, Vera. Uh, th- thank you for having me on. Yeah, so for the listeners, I met Vera at our friend Belton, uh, who has been on the podcast before, at his Super Bowl party. And you told me that you are a VFX artist or a CG generalist artist. <laughs> yeah. So what are those things? Like, what does that mean for the listeners? So VFX artist is a, um, stands for like... Uh, um really it just refers to the non-real portions you see on screen so think like cgi which is computer generated images uh i'm responsible for making those images and placing them onto the into the composite them into the footage itself Mm, okay so what are like uh, some have you worked on any projects recently? Uh, yeah, right now I'm working at a studio that does commercial advertising. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now it's just a lot of products. Okay. Uh, <laughs> every every uh, oral B ad I'm like late for the past year has just been like the same toothbrush over and over and over and over. Again. <laughs> but we get like some interesting projects. Um Right now, I am working on a like an indie horror film. Okay. Uh, so I'm working on like the creature. They did like a 3D scan of the guy in the suit, and he kind of looks like uh the first Spider-Man Green Goblin with William Defoe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's po- it's supposed to be like some kind of creature or something mm. like that, but it looks exactly like green goblin (laughs) Um, that's amazing (laughs) any other big projects people would know um i worked on a few trailers uh if anyone knows beat saber Mm. um there was a oculus beat saber crossover uh and they i was responsible for uh, I was working on the trailer for it, mm-hmm. which consisted of like a big city that they needed a camera to fly through. And I was responsible for like making the city, lighting it up, animating cars going through and like putting this having this camera fly through it wow. into like a window. Um, one of the challenges on it was like we need to figure out a way to like realistically light up random rooms in the windows mm-hmm. of each tower. but then. There was the other aspect of like, oh, now each of those rooms has to have a physical room to put a light in. Mm. So it's just like, whoa, crazy amount of detail work <laughs> in like 
for just one three second shot. Yeah, you're uh, driving up my anxiety thinking about that. <laughs> yeah. But then if you put a light in a 3D room, then you need like a little person or a TV set in case oh, someone there, sees it. There's small like windows and TVs in each of each of them. <laughs> they have like half blind, so that way they're not all like perfectly squared. Oh wow. Um, Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> so how long have you been doing uh, VFX slash CG in general? Uh, I started in 2009. Oh, wow. So it's been about what, 13 years, wow. 12, 13 years about. Hell yeah, that's dope. So how did you how did you get into it? Because um, 2009, I'm trying to think there wasn't, I feel like just at that time, like, I don't, I'm not in the film industry, yeah. but I remember, I, fe- I remember at t- 2009 feeling like anything 3D was either made in a video game engine or like CAD. Like it felt like it. Like now we have like Blender and like Google SketchUp and like Blender all sorts of stuff. Blender was around back then. It was. Blender was actually what I started out on because that shit's free. Yeah. <laughs> so how'd you get into Blender? Um. So I was a person who loved like games and um storytelling in games and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um. And I always like wanted to know how things were made, but I was also doing like traditional art on the side, so. It was a lot of drawing and then mostly clay that I loved Mm. the most. That's a nice through line there. So it like, uh, uh, while looking to about like, oh, how games are made and stuff like that, I found out like about like modeling and 3D Mm. stuff. uh, And everyone was like, oh, Blender's free. There we go. Nice. (laughs) Downloaded it, started messing around with it for four years on my own. Mm -hmm. um, Wow. Before going to college. Okay. So wait, what what year did you graduate high school? 2013. Okay, cool. Cool. Okay, cool. I was I was class of 2012. So uh, so what video games were you playing in 2009? <laughs> 2009. All right. So definitely I think Bio- BioShock was out by that yeah, time, yeah. right? Yeah. It like just came out. Yeah, definitely BioShock, uh Fallout 3. Okay. Big Are you big like big what was this Xbox 360? Oh, PS3? it was it was everything. Yeah, uh, I had whatever my my uncle had around. Mm. Uh, so it was like old NES, uh, um, Sega, original Xbox, PlayStation. It was whatever, mm-hmm. whatever was there. So like, had a lot of time. Let's go through it all. Yeah, um, <laughs> nice. That's like I I missed that like generation of like console stuff. Mm-hmm. So I didn't play Bioshock until like 2012 or something. <laughs> uh, but I was I was playing uh, a lot of like Team Fortress too. Like Counter Strike. I, I was never really in, into like multiplayer and like online mm. too much. Uh, it was always like anything that was like solo experiences. I know like everyone's into nowadays. Like oh open world the better it is mm-hmm. the more options you have but i just love those like linear guided experiences absolutely um, do you have an all-time favorite that's a hard question to <laughs> okay um, i find myself in the same like i am a big when i do play video games i'm a big multiplayer gamer mm. but when it comes to single player games i can't stand the open world i like love dark souls single player obviously because you just you get to go through it. There's like some options, but it's not like too big. Mm. Whereas like I remember playing Fallout Four, I played the opening, got to the part where you start building the base, and then you have the open world, and I was like, I'm not playing this. <laughs> it was too much. Fallout <laughs> is actually one of my favorite series. Yeah. Um, 
uh, my first game was the third one, mm. um, which was Bethesda Studios' first game, right? Right. And it like it just had a little bit of everything that was like, all right, it's kind of fucked up, but it's kind of funny at the same time. And they had like a lot of references to like uh 50s and 20s uh uh media mm-hmm. um like there's a mission called like those uh and it's literally you fighting like giant fire ants <laughs> uh and it's a reference to like a m- movie like the giant monster movies from like mm-hmm. the 50s and i think the movie was called like them oh okay <laughs> so like they made a lot of like references uh to like classic like movies and stuff Mm. like that it was kind of that was uh lovely and it was great to see like you walking around the world and you see like signs that are all like oh hi um the cat (laughs) it's all good Uh, he's a regular on the podcast (laughs) you see like signs of things like like oh uh how great the world is Mm. even though the world's like just yeah (laughs) there's definitely like i i didn't like I didn't play that one, but I definitely watched friends play and like the fallout, like the aesthetic, the style is like on point. They really it, nailed it's it. Great. So you, 2009, you get into blender. What kind of, what kind of projects are you doing when you're like self teaching yourself through high school? Um, anything fancy or just modeling or I, it was a lot of robots in the beginning. Hell yeah. It's always, it's always robots. Cause it's like, <laughs> they're just cubes. Yeah, <laughs> you just you just stretch that cube into place, and there you go. Call it a day. Look, yeah. look, it's a robot. <laughs> I'm a I'm a big giant robots fan. Mm. Like I got lots of Gundam oh. stuff, and I like it's I don't know something about it. Like when I was drawing a lot as a kid, just like in my journal and stuff, tons of robots because just geometric and yeah. badass. <laughs> I I got um later on when mm. I like started actually knowing what I was doing. I built like a like a giant six legged uh submarine cannon thing, walking <laughs> cannon thing that it like orbitally drops mm-hmm. from the sky. Whoa! Fully animated it and everything. Wow! Um, All in Blender? No, this was a. Uh, 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 when I broke after I broke up with Blender, it was all with Maya now. <laughs> okay, so so in high school, or when you're doing your Blender projects, are you doing animation or are you just like sculpting? Or like, it's mostly it's mostly modeling. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I can't. How I went through it was like every project would include something I didn't do before, mm-hmm. and uh, but also include what I just did. So it kind of mm-hmm. reinforces what I learned last time, and including something new. And it would always be like uh, how I function is kind of like I need to overcome whatever issue I'm like working on. Mm-hmm. So like originally I was doing a lot of drawings. And I'm like, I can't I can't draw the short for the, the arm getting shortened um, with the perspective. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, let me try clay and clay click because like I don't have to worry about perspective. I know mm-hmm. what shit looks like. Um, and then that skill naturally kind of transitioned into um 3d work mm-hmm. that makes a ton of sense okay and i also like what you said about try something new but do something also that you did last the last new thing you learned i yeah. think that's like that's such a good learning cycle so you were doing this when you're in high school self-teaching this yeah that's like i <laughs> i feel like i didn't figure that out until like halfway through college like oh, okay <laughs> that's like a really good lesson so it's kind of well, i was kind of in a situation where it's like you kind of just have to figure it out by yourself right. no one's gonna help you right um 
actually now I do a lot of uh I even throughout school I always kind of like helped everyone else around me. Mm. I, I taught like group classes. I even taught um at a institute mm. for like a week long session. I liked teaching because it was like when I was going through it, no one was there to help me around. Mm. I didn't really have access to the internet like that. It was, even though the internet was going on around that time, um my family was just like you don't need that shit. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, most times it would just be f- trying to figure it out. Mm. Um, Damn. <laughs> That's great though. Also like one thing I found is like when I, when I went to college and I was doing engineering, I would just teach people how to do stuff. Like if they asked questions about like the homework we had just done, I found that helped me like reinforce all the things that I it knew really, as well. It really does. Mm-hmm. I was, um, I've, I've heard it somewhere before, but like the best the best teachers are uh, are the ones that actually like. If you thoroughly understand a subject, subject, you can teach it extremely well. Mm-hmm. If you're unable to teach it really well, you might not have like a full understanding of that like topic at hand. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, so when did you get into teaching? Is this like post college or during? This college? was kind of like during college. Okay. Um, since I started college with a few years of of self-taught experience i kind of like already knew the lingo going going in Mm -hmm. so a lot of like my peers would ask me for help and like i would turn around and try to help them Mm -hmm. or if i see them having like um having trouble with something i would like give them like tips uh and kind of like sped roll from there over time so in high school how much of your time are you dedicating towards learning like blender and 3d modeling oh i'm skipping all my classes really you're like going really hard into it i like I didn't I didn't give a shit about the other classes <laughs> and like everyone else is in class. Where else am I supposed to go? So let me, um, there was a we had like a, comp- a computer room mm-hmm. and I was able to get like Blender and keep it on a flash drive. And you were able to just work on it like that, like that. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, in the beginning, uh, I had a floppy disk that i was working off no of, way they still had uh one of the floppy disk drives and blender is so light to run i wasn't doing anything quality mm. or, or scale it was all like shit so it was enough that like the floppy could hold it um god damn that's so funny oh my god because <laughs> i like around this time right like i was like big gamer computer science kid yeah in our every time we go to the library or go to class like all the comm side kids had like some flash drive or hard drive they plug in the school computer that was just full of like emulators or like quake or like whatever you want (laughs) i remember that i remember there was this one time um at some point everyone set up like minecraft servers Mm. that uh everyone's like has like in another window (laughs) see i remember i remember in high school when minecraft was still an alpha so it was on the website still yeah that's that's around that time and that was like that was like that was a problem because (laughs) when you could just go to the website and just like fuck around forever like kids were just doing that all the time yeah and when it was was either that or like flash games yes yeah um like uh (laughs) Armor games, armor games, huge addicting games, mini clip games, yeah, so many good ones. <sighs> Bygone era. <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh, yeah. so in high school. So you're you're just like you're skipping class just to model. You you got Blender on a flash drive and floppy disk. 
so you I'm guessing that you consciously make the decision to go to school for something involving this, right? Um yeah, I went to a community college at first because mm-hmm. it, um I'm I'm like the first like artist in my family mm-hmm. and I'm a a first generation really in this country. Okay. So it's a lot of perspective of like oh, you can't make money from like art or anything like mm-hmm. that, but I'm like I'm gonna do this. Screw it. Nice. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> so you go to community college, and are you doing? And you're probably still doing stuff on the side, or do you have? Do you now? Are you? Were you able to take classes specifically in 3D modeling when you were in community yeah, college? Yeah. So I actually had to go to a college that was outside of the county that I lived mm-hmm. in, because uh, that was the only one that had any kind of like 3D program. Mm-hmm. It was community level so you don't <laughs> expect great um, yeah yeah there's there's a lot of people that are there that are just like they're trying to find something to do mm-hmm. and they're like all right this is interesting mm-hmm. but not too many people taking it super seriously right right so but it gave me access to a lot of the tools and mm. that was absolutely wonderful i had access to like 3d printing at the time whoa uh, early 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 3D <laughs> yeah. printing when they first came out there's like resin based ones that mm. first came out um and it, everyone was like "Ooh, shocking and we're printing our like shittily made 3d models on it <laughs> uh just stretched cubes and stuff mm-hmm. um but it comes out actually wonderfully i actually ended up 3d printing that giant canon thing on that oh, really? thing too <laughs> nice um I'm, i don't know i'm a i'm a bit of a i'm like a tabletop war gamer i like to do some miniatures games you know i've been looking at a lot of warhammer stuff lately dude do you have a 3d printer right now i want to get one okay because i don't have one but i'm like the people who have 3d printers it's like their whole like, their whole gaming experience is so much cheaper. <laughs> like they they're just printing miniatures left and right, like oh, yeah. super high quality. Some of these people's printers, it's like insane. I'm like, did this come from like a like a actually modeling factory or like someone's office? You know? Oh yeah, it's beautiful what they can get nowadays. Like 3D printing is massive now. It's so cool. I'm I'm like, I really kind of I I would like to get a resin printer at some point but I don't want to deal with resin fumes in this t- tiny apartment. <laughs> One day I'll have like a little workshop room that I can do that. Yeah. Spray chemicals and shit. <laughs> I-, I love seeing the, um, like a lot of cosplayers that use 3d printing mm-hmm. to like print their, their suits and stuff. It's like, it's so, it's such a, I don't know. It's such a wonderful thing. And yeah. just like the, the, the access to like these modeling and CAD programs and then just being able to like, like design something and then print it like yeah and I'm, I'm sure there's all sorts of new materials that are going to be available further down the line but They're printing houses and everything yeah <laughs> i want to live in one of those It'd be so sick but um, yeah you go to community college you're how long are you at the community college from 2013 to 2015 16 okay. so like two or three years yeah so are you doing the 3d modeling classes the whole time you're there uh, I mainly the first two years and the mm. third year was just to kind of I was just trying to find a school. Okay. Because there's not many like schools out there, and most of them are are like what you shit see in the back back of like a magazine. Like, oh, mm. you want to make video games or like you want to <laughs> go to movies? Come to our school that yeah. has like nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so where did you end up going? Uh, I ended up going to School of Visual Arts in Manhattan. Okay. Um. 
that one is uh kind of well known uh, mm-hmm. globally um so that's kind of like i was like all right those loans are gonna kick in <laughs> so so i actually let me back up on this so were you still using blender when you're at the community college or were you using a new tool i i was uh so we were transitioned. They were teaching Maya. Okay. Um, but I was a I was already a Blender kid, and a mm. lot of a lot of Blender users actually are always like this. Uh, they're really dedicated to Blender because it's free, mm-hmm. and it it but not only just because it's free, it does have a really nice set of tools. It's really versatile. It's great. I originally learned on it and still have like that love to it. Mm. But industry wise, it's it's not nah. Okay, so but it it does do. There are people using it professionally. It can be used professionally, right? But so, are you using it like like at community college? Are you like using Maya like begrudgingly, but using Blender most of the time? Yeah, I was like, Blender can do this better. (laughs) Why are we using this? You know, I I similar thing for years and years and years. I would use this program called GIMP for image editing. I remember GIMP. Oh yeah, dude, I would use GIMP all the time and then when i finally got an adobe license for like this podcast and stuff and then i'm like begrudgingly learning some photoshop and like illustrator i'm like all right fine i won't use the open source one. Oh man i feel i feel that right now like adobe owns so many programs and they keep buying new programs mm-hmm. that like they bought something called substance and yeah i've heard about that oh man subs the substance community was like dying we were everyone's like no they're gonna they're gonna take they're gonna ruin it they're gonna make it more expensive which they ended up doing even of course. though they promised not to mm-hmm. and now you have to pay another subscription fee it's not included to the creative cloud service bullshit ah, that's bullshit. bullshit i'm paying six hundred dollars a year <laughs> and i'm like i have to have this in order to do the stuff that right. i'm doing yeah so it's like god damn Oh, well, pro tip. I learned this from uh, uh, my friend Andrea Wang. She said, if you cancel your subscription, hang on. My my neighbors are yelling at each other. I'm going to close the window. <laughs> but yeah. So anyway, uh, my neighbors are silenced now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, my friend Andrea Wang, she told me if you cancel, if you go to cancel your Adobe subscription and you say the reason why is it's too expensive, mm-hmm. it will just offer you a discount code. So if you fake it out, be like, I'm going to cancel. They'll be like, huh. <laughs> So I actually um, managed to get Adobe to refund me more money than what they needed um, <laughs> because uh, what's it called? I was paying for an Adobe subscription throughout uh, uh, SVA mm-hmm. and the last two years they were like, oh, now we'll get uh, free subscriptions for everyone. And I'm like, paying this for the past what the hell you're also should be supplying us with mm-hmm. these with these tools with the amount of money we pay you and it's just like all right uh i went to i went to call adobe and mm-hmm. uh, uh um try to like get a refund and it was only supposed to get like a month out of it but um i was like let me see how how fa- how much i can like try to play this off and stuff mm-hmm. and I started I got connected with like one of the, I one of their call centers mm-hmm. and unfortunately they were like I'm I'm half Indian myself mm-hmm. and they they were they were Indian themselves mm-hmm. and like remember argue uh, arguing with them 
in English. I didn't mm-hmm. speak. I can't really. I can understand words here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, uh, uh, what's it called? Um, I remember trying to like get them to give me the refund and everything. Mm-hmm. I hear them hear their like manager in the background, just like this like idiot type stuff, just saying stuff in the background. Mm-hmm. And so like when they came back on, and I, I like repeated it back to them. Um, <laughs> and I don't understand everything I'm saying. Yeah. I just know that they're like they that like some of them was like they're bad mouthing me, and they're yeah. like, "Oh, I'm sorry, sir." Blah, blah, da, da, da. <laughs> um, and at some point, they were like, "Oh, we can't, we can't refund you for for uh, six months, but we can give you like three months." I was like. All right, if that's the best you can do, mm-hmm. I'll take it. Yeah. Meanwhile, it was only supposed to be like one month. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Look at that. That worked <laughs> out. <laughs> so you go to, so going from uh, Blender to Maya, what were the things that were like hard to adjust to using a new 3D modeling program? Um, Sometimes it's like, it's weird shit, like navi- navigating the camera mm-hmm. around the world. Um, Blender will like, use maybe like the shift i think it was the shift Mm -hmm. key to kind of navigate around while maya uses like the alt key oh and then if you're working on (laughs) pc versus mac that that uh that option key kind of like throws you way off just the control handling and like little details like that yeah because Mm. it comes in second nature at some point right totally right i totally get that and so you start at the so what what projects do you work on in community college what kind of things did you make at this point in your career i was mainly being a modeler mm-hmm. um which is i just make like the the physical object you're right. seeing digitally mm-hmm. and um they and like also a little bit of texture work but not too much i was trying to get like the basics down kind of yeah. understand like topology which is like i think like uh it's just what everything is made of which okay. is like a bunch of little squares. Mm. Um, no matter how detailed you see, it's just a bunch of squares. Yeah. So uh, trying to just understand how that worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was uh, younger, uh, I would like draw squares on like my my hand and stuff to kind of like, oh, if I move move it in a certain way, will mm. it? Like, how does it deform and stuff? Just to kind of understand that stuff. Yeah. It looks crazy on the outside just seeing a bunch of a kid just draw, drawing squares all over their hand. Yeah. Just going, ooh. <laughs> so did you have any like, like in the, 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 just this modeling period, did you have any like big projects that you completed during your community college? Like, was there any like big standout things you made or were they all kind of just like test runs? Um, I, in community college, not so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was mostly just like personal projects, just mm-hmm. kind of like I have a I have a hard time like finishing projects, so I just have like tons and tons of projects that like all have r- quite interesting stuff in there, mm-hmm. but like three days of work spent on it. <laughs> you just don't come back. I don't come back. I was like, one day I'll get back to it. And if you open up, they're like, oh, this is that potential, but it's like nah, not worth it. <laughs> one day. <laughs> So you go to so you move, you go from uh, community college to the School of Visual Arts. Mm-hmm. That that was the name, right? Yes. Cool. Awesome. And so you, are they still using Maya there? Yeah, Maya is like mm. the perf- like the industry. Okay. Um, it tends to bounce between like Maya, uh, CAD, uh, not really CAD, screw CAD. 
<laughs> uh, Cinema 4D and sometimes 3ds max okay a lot of uh things from autodesk uh cinema 4d is maxim Mm. um but i'm primarily in maya and something called zbrush which is a lot of more what you would think of like traditional sculpting sculpting is like my my major thing that i was developing throughout community college especially Mm. um even more so throughout my early years at uh SVA school. Oh, interesting. So you're you're doing like real sculpting at the same time you're doing 3D sculpting or like 3D modeling. I was more doing mostly 3D modeling, mm. uh, but real sculpting had my experiencing experiences from when I was like in high school. Mm. Um, actually, lately I've been trying to like find a time to not look at a screen all day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so I bought clay just last month and started sculpting by hand again. Nice. It's been almost a decade mm. and I'm like, oh, my hands forgot what like physical work feels like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool though. That's like, a, I think it's a, that's a great thing to do. Yeah. Like ha- having, I'm such a big proponent of having off screen hobbies, especially when you are just like a, work from home work on computer type person it's crazy because it's like you know what they say uh uh do something you love and you'll work never work a day in your life Mm. fucking lie (laughs) so (laughs) so you're you're doing sculpting and like you're you go to sva 3d modeling you so now i'm guessing you're in a program that is like 100% 100% 3D modeling, yeah. right? Uh, well, it's it's more of like the overall thing. And now mm. I had access to so many different things. So I'm like, I got to learn it all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up d- learning like motion capture. Um, I did some like VR stuff, uh, uh, texturing, animation. Mm-hmm. Animation, not so much. Um, but a lot of like really intricate complex things also a little bit of like sound design mm-hmm. these were like a lot of classes that we had to take um cool. so so it was like geared towards like you're going to be doing this for the entertainment industry somehow a lot of it was mainly geared a lot of those programs really advertised to like disney and stuff like that anyone mm. interested in going to like disney pixar um gotcha my school in particular had a lot of like ties with with um a lot of big companies mm. primarily blue sky was quite common rip blue sky <laughs> what were they <laughs> uh they made the ice age movies oh okay okay uh, gotcha they started they're like one of the pine uh one of the studios that are like responsible for like pioneering 3d animation mm. uh they're in they were in connecticut and Disney bought them up and was like, we're not going to shut you down. And a year later, when the <laughs> pandemic happens, we're shutting you down. <laughs> so. Gotcha. Okay. So, yeah, th- this program is d- designed with you working for one of these companies in mind. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And there's a lot of a lot of the professors are um, in, are already working in industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they tend they tend to be have like con- direct connections to studios. So. Mm-hmm. A lot of that's like how actually I got my job was um, one of my f- professors just knew a creative director at the studio oh, and nice. like uh, was like, oh, come get, come for an interview or come to just meet them. And mm. it just turned into an interview. And a week later, I got the job. It was like, whoa. Oh, OK. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I'm still there to this day. Wow. Oh, my God. That's awesome. So, OK, let me ask you this. So when you were 
when you're like dabbling with 3D modeling in high school and like community college and you're at SVA, are you kind of in the mind of like, I want to design things for movies or are you still in like kind of like video games? Originally, or? I was in, I was going towards video games. Mm. Um, but a lot, all the stories you hear with like the, the shit that goes down in the video game industry, <laughs> I was like, uh, um, nah. So you, you, you started just kind of refocus on just like, Plus, I was uh, that then also I was just already learning so many different things that mm. I'm like, at some point I was like, you know what, I'll just take whatever comes my way. And that kind of like is how I kind of live. I'm very go with the flow, mm. deal with whatever is going on in that moment. If something comes up and it's a good uh, opportunity and option, pff, screw it. Mm. Nice. I mean, that's pretty cool. That's a fun, fun thing to do. Uh, when you had your professor give you uh, hook you up with that interview, mm-hmm. was that the first time you made money from doing your three D modeling? No, no, no. I, I've done like, uh, shitty like album covers for like <laughs> small, small, small commu- artists in the community from when I was like. Still living in Jersey. Mm. Um, as I started going through college, I did like some larger things. Uh, w- one of my original professors from the community college was actually an architect. He hired me to do like a diorama of like the internal structures of an African termite mound. Okay. And it required me like doing r- full research into like these mounds mm-hmm. and recreating all the structures. Um. And the entire time, he never told me what it was for. And I was mm. like, by the end, when I delivered it, he was like, I was like, what is this for? He was like, oh, I'm trying to figure out, a, trying to design something that, like, uh, naturally will cool down, like, a skyscraper. Mm-hmm. Since, like, those mounds um, naturally cool themselves in the desert. So, you, ended up, you end up learning a lot of weird stuff Whoa. on this job. Interesting. <laughs> so, do you, remember, do you remember your, like, what those early album covers were for your local musicians you remember what the first one was my first one was for my uh like my childhood mm-hmm. uh, a close friend he does a lot of music production and uh he wanted he did he wanted like something like dead mouse like so i kind of mm. like did this like dead mouse mickey mouse looking thing okay it it was cringy. <laughs> Direct ripoff. <laughs> so, and this this is like, in, in this type of sense, you would be like 3D modeling something and then projecting on two dimensions, like taking a picture of it or something, right? No, I would I would actually be going through the full process of like digitally lighting it and, and right. rendering it and getting like a final image. Okay. Um, but you're, you're still ending with like a 2D image result. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's essentially what... All of it is. I guess so. I guess you're that's you're looking at yeah, a yeah. 2D image on a screen. That makes sense. I mean, I feel dumb for asking. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I'm like, because I, mean, I mean, like, I'm sure there's people who would like, I'm sure there's a market for like animated album covers and stuff at this point. Yeah. That, I mean, I'm sure people want their gifts as, yeah. as uh, covers. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, right now, all, all those are becoming like NFT type stuff. Right, right. Um, Have you made an NFT? A work has me on two right now. <laughs> and it, it's like, it's it's weird to think because I know uh, I'm not going to get any of the credit for it. I know mm. the artist that it's for is going to get the credit and it's going to be his NFT. And I'm like, 
You didn't do crap on it. <laughs> you you hired a studio to to or like pa- partnered up with a studio, and you're like, I have this idea, make it. And we're we're the ones like sitting there designing, thinking about it, and then giving them an option and being like, What do you like? That one. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Uh, I'm I'm guessing we won't talk about that much more. (laughs) I'm guessing we won't go into detail about what it is. No, I can't. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. So, so you're at SVA. You you're doing some like independent stuff. What were some of the other big projects you did before you got your studio job? Uh, there was this one during my freshman year of SVA. Mm. Uh, they were looking for people to help them out make a VR thing, kind of bringing to light um, people with all time Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it required like producing like a, a very stylized serene forest. Mm-hmm. I made it like all like purple, orange hues. Uh, the trees all like gave off their own light. Mm-hmm. It was very like ethereal. Okay, that's um, sick. So you were able to, it was supposed to be like an interactive experience, kind of mm-hmm. like bringing to light um, just the condition. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that ended up getting into, uh, not an, um, I don't remember exactly, but I remember them trying to get into like Cannes Film Festival mm. and they had like a VR section since VR was getting big. Right. So they wanted it. nothing like nominated, but like a showcase type thing. Mm. Um, there was this one guy who wanted like a bunch of hats rendered for his like online catalog. And these hats were terrible. <laughs> uh, he sent me a physical, a physical, uh, product of the hat Mm. and it looked like a shitty like basketball hat i think i don't know i don't wear hats Mm. um and it was like bright yellow almost like this can Mm. and it was like straight crap um but i ended up making that hat giving him a a bunch of colors Mm. for it the guy was a little weird to work with but like he was very much like willing to pay so i was like all right whatever it's Mm. good um i ended up going to his his site one day and looking and the name like the name of the title was like cool headwear for humans it was like what the hell is this (laughs) (laughs) and then later on he came up to me and he wanted me to like make like uh uh 3d models of like people Mm. and make them photo real and have them wear the hat i'm like that's gonna be a lot of money for one uh uh and then he was like all right I'm going to go find a pre-made model from like these random websites. And mm. the thing is with like the human models uh, you find on, on the internet that are pre-made all mm. in the early days, a lot of times the only place you'd find those are from like sex model sites. Right. So it's like, it was always, he came, comes back with those creepy models yeah. and you're like, <laughs> and he's like, Oh, I bought this one already. Can you use this? I'm like, Uh, i don't want to use it oh my god (laughs) Uh, yeah and then at some point he wanted me to like do a fluid dynamic simulation test on one of his hats i was like why do you need all this that's insane also 
like I get there might be like an aesthetic choice for having 3D models, but also it's like just get a real person to wear the. That's hat what I was saying yeah. the entire time. <laughs> I was like, you're you're spending. I'm glad you're paying me, but like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> All the fluid dynamics test. It's like, what? Why? You just are okay with burning money for what? <laughs> Interesting. Uh, so you you're like bouncing around at like different type of freelance jobs for a couple years. Then. Yeah. What did you have like a worst job to do? Mm. Best job. My my favorite one right now is the BTS one, um, because like that one I had like almost full creative like mm-hmm. uh control over the city and the city was like my full responsibility. Okay. Um, and it was like one of the first like major projects they like let me have mm. like my full control on that so this is is this before you got your job or this is during this during, is at that job at that job okay yeah. so what's the i guess what so designing a whole city in 3d what was your like process of working through that um like how do you decide uh how many buildings of what size like what were you did you base the the city off of a real city or so it's uh they want it to be based on like new york city okay um but it's kind of interesting on when you're designing designing cities for like a camera shot you're you're thinking very compositionally rather than like specific so with like cities you're kind of like using buildings that have like a certain feel like if you Mm. go to new york versus like boston you'll kind of tell like the two cities look completely different right so you kind of use buildings that like give you that feel um and like and but first you want to like set up like your visual horizon so Mm. you kind of like want to guide like what your audience's eyes to like a certain point so you place your buildings kind of based on that. Mm-hmm. And then once you get that overall composition, then you kind of give that like flavor text of like, oh, this one should be like specifically this high. So it feels like a little natural. Mm. Um, also, you're also trying to hide stuff because with CG, it's it's a lot of trickery. Mm-hmm. There's Whatever you see on screen is just that. Everything else is just like a monster. If you've ever seen like... like um, assassin's creed unity when uh uh face models will completely disappear and mm. just like the character's eyeballs and tongue yeah it's it's that that weird shit that we yeah. have behind everything <laughs> okay yeah so everything is like empty and hollow it's Basically. not like okay so you're not like fully sculpting like 3d buildings that you could go all the way around you can you can you can you can and uh oftentimes you do if you have to like destroy a building for example Mm. you're making everything in there because if it's like getting blasted with something like that you're going to see all those particles break apart and fall so depending on what you have to do Mm. what you need will determine what you do that makes sense that makes sense i'm thinking about like like the old games of video the old days of video games probably even now you know it's like uh like halo 2 when you'd like find a way to get outside the map and you get around a building that you're not supposed to even be near oh it's great it's just hollow and you can see all the way through everything yeah that's that stuff still exists nowadays Mm. it's just like it's it's a lot harder to get to it yeah back then it was (laughs) wild west (laughs) especially when you like watch like speed run videos where people like no clipping through everything and you're like wow this thing is like a shell i keep seeing lately like people speed running elden ring Mm. At like what six minutes, seven minutes. I'm like, these people have no lives. I don't understand. (laughs) 
I'm like, if you're if you're a streamer who's making enough money to just live and do that, good on you. But I can't imagine dedicating the time to figure out how to do a six minute speed run of Elden Ring. <laughs> it's crazy, like what what exploits people find mm. to like get get these things done real fast. It's like it's also it's all so much was just geometry based (laughs) it's just like that it's like if the model's not complete i found like a little corner that you can get into that lets you sink through these levels (laughs) oh man i remember uh uh high school Mm. uh uh, i was like in like uh like in geometry and i remember i never gave a shit uh but i remember that my my teacher at the time was he'd be like you're gonna need this in your life and i'm like while still learning blender at the time I'm like when the fuck will i ever need geometry in my life <laughs> who will need this shit uh and then like i remember my first first few weeks at this studio that i'm at mm-hmm. um i had a moment where i was doing like some simple python coding and I had to like calculate the Pythagorean theorem, and I had an existential like moment where I stood up and my producer was like, "You good?" I'm like, "I just had to calculate, uh, write in code the Pythagorean theorem." Yeah. My tenth tenth grade teacher was right. Shit. <laughs> I used to I used to design like satellite feeds, mm. and it was like it was like 3D modeling like in SolidWorks, but before that it was like electrical 3d models so Mm -hmm. like you'd be designing these things based on their electrical parameters and the shape was like a thing that was a result of the electrical parameters yeah i i love working in that way i did like uh like my my i've done like modern robotic characters Mm -hmm. where i did like one bird for example where i made sure all the mechanics in the wing are functionally coherent Mm -hmm. and it could like hide the wing into its body Mm -hmm. so i did all the rigging uh which is essentially just creating a bunch of bones and making it movable right i did all those based on like what i understood of like mechanical engineering Mm -hmm. um with the little bit of research that i did on yeah um and designed the whole thing based on like that shape and i love like thinking that way um a lot of CG is mm. really thinking about a lot of small details that no one really cares, but you're like, I know it's there. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like, then also, uh, I'm sure a lot of geometry and a lot of trying <laughs> trigonometry oh in that type of system. <laughs> Triggered trigonometry is more used in um, uh, motion capture, but no one's actually doing the trigonometry themselves. Mm. It's the computer. Nowadays. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I was gonna say when I was doing like these 3D models, like. I would have like, okay, the aperture of this and the angle of this are based on the electrical specification. So I would be writing out these insane like inverse cotangent things in the in the out like the variables. (laughs) (laughs) What's great about being in the art side is you can understand the tool, but that's not your job to make the tool. Yeah, people, uh, people that are on like the more engineering end, like you are, are gonna do that for us, and we'll we'll thank you for it. But yeah, we'll right. Actively acknowledge <laughs> it. We'll we'll be like, why is this thing shit? We need it to be better. Yeah, I honestly that job like was very cool. I liked design engineering at that like very deep level. Yeah, but I got sick of just sitting in front of the screen and just running simulations all day. <laughs> and then my current like type of engineering is systems engineering. Mm-hmm. So I like. I, uh, I, I, everything is already designed. I just have to figure out how it fits together for what the customer needs. And mm-hmm. it's like a, 
it's like another level up, which is interesting. It's more like figuring out the tool, but less yeah. less design there. Well, I I have an equivalent with um like rigging because uh, you have to set like for example. Uh, to make like an arm move with an animator, mm. they just want to select one control and physically move it around, and the arm needs to follow that motion entirely. So we will use like node-based um, systems mm. so instead of like physically coding it. We'll connect lines to nodes that represent data, mm. uh, and that will like drive those those systems. Right. So you're not coding it. You're like you're like assigning visual constraints to it. Exactly. Mm. But there is a little bit of coding involved if you want to, and mm. if you do, you can like do things like repeat that set of action across like all your things if you're making right. like a millipede you're not going to do that same visual coding for a thousand legs right if you want to you're crazy but <laughs> so dedication you, to you so have you picked up some coding experience along the way then yeah right now my main thing that i use is python um but i also understand a little bit of mel which is maya's main programming language. okay so that's like a that's like a i just forgot the word I just forgot the word, but that's like a specific one that's only used for Maya then, or is it? it it's used for other things, but Maya's like primarily built around it. Mm, okay, gotcha, gotcha. How how different is that from like Python? Um, Both are confusing, so. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, like I was pretty okay at like C and like Arduino type C stuff, mm -hmm. but like once I tried Python, I was like, I know this is easy, but I didn't start with this, yeah. so I don't like it. <laughs> that not... was that was the other thing reason why I kind of like fell away from video games was like I couldn't understand coding for the longest time. Mm. I it I think it took me maybe like eight years before I like started. Like there was a moment where where I was trying where I was learning Python and it just clicked. I was like. <gasps> It makes sense. I yeah. finally got it. Eight <laughs> years of failing at this shit. Damn. That's what. That's what's up. It's all about persistence. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm really. I I like how code works logically. Yeah. I just I hate writing code. Yeah. I just no. hate it. Like I wish there was like a, a Google voice to to code. <laughs> yeah. Like I I'm I know if I ever I explicitly chose my like my degree and my specialty so I could avoid coding and engineering. <laughs> but I'm like, if I had to, it would mm -hmm. just be all copy paste from the internet. I know software engineers do that and they admit it, but like I writing. I mean, code is real, realistically, I, I can say I know Python and Mel, but realistically I'm going, I need to move this box here. Yeah. Um, poof, solve that first. <laughs> Let's go to Reddit. <laughs> That's so much of what it is. Just finding like, I have this issue. What's the closest solution available on the internet? I'll paste that in and I'll then I'll figure it out from there. That's basically all like IT work is just yeah. like <laughs> oh man. 100%. Refresh, refresh, turn it off. All right, what does Google stay? <laughs> did you did you ever use any other programs outside of Blender and Maya? Um I have a long list under my belt yeah did you ever use like unreal engine yes actually my job wants me to jump back into uh learning unreal because unreal engine 5 just released okay. and i'm so excited for it mm -hmm. uh now we are able to fit like trillions of polygons on your screen at one time <laughs> hell yeah so what sets like what sets like something like unreal engine apart from maya like how does it feel different well unreal engine is a real-time 
based rent system. Mm. Uh, it's primarily developed originally from games, but it's becoming very popular in uh, film and film commercials and just everything in general. Mm. Um, but Maya is more of like produce, like think of it like you would produce the stuff in Maya to bring into Unreal. Unreal is mm. like a later step, but gotcha. in order to have the models for you to use in Unreal, something has to be made. Gotcha. Okay, so Maya is like more like you're actually building the object. Unreal is like building an environment out of those objects. Yeah, you want to think about these tools and not something like, oh, one tool does everything. Right. It's all tools part of a pipeline. Okay. So like you have your tools that are meant to be for modeling, which in my case would be like things like Blender, Maya, ZBrush, um, uh, Mudbox, 3ds Max. Those are more like uh, packages that kind of like, think of them, I guess, like Photoshop, but mm -hmm. 3D. Okay. Uh, where it's like, that's your basic standard thing. Yeah. And it has a bunch of tools. I can You can do a bunch of stuff with it. Um, but you kind of prep it for the next step in the process mm -hmm. of whatever you need to do. Um, and then you have your like your texturing package packages like uh, Mari and Substance. And then you have like procedural things, which are more node based stuff mm -hmm. uh, where you can use uh, use uh, complicated node networks to produce images. Mm -hmm. uh, right now, I I'm working on a thing that uh, I have it working in motion, actually, too, where you plug in any photo or video and it will convert it into a painting that emulates uh, actual brush strokes and you have controls over like how those strokes move and everything. It essentially acts like a filter. Whoa. But it's like really in depth. Okay. That's damn. That's really cool. So how, how easy is it to like talk, have these programs talk to each other? Are like the file types pretty standardized? Yeah, the file types are pretty standardized. You're dealing with a lot of file types like uh, for, at least for 3D files, you're dealing with things like OBJs, FBXs. STL? STL, fuck XTLs. Why, why, why fuck STL? Because fuck CAD. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm dealing with a lot of products at work, so mm. what happens is a lot of those products are producing CAD. Right. And those CAD models are absolute trash when it comes to rendering, and we need to make our commercials uh, with these like products being like, doing all these things and like the geometry that cad produces is useless so it's not i'm guessing the resolution isn't tight enough for visual standards um so you know how everything is made of like try uh polygon uh, uh squares and triangles right so the thing is with like autocad it's produced for more like think of like machine work right 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 so you don't need to worry about that so mm. it kind of like auto generates whatever right, right whatever generates that curved surface or that flat surface whatever you need mm -hmm. um but for like 3d stuff like that you gotta render it uh and sometimes you gotta smooth these objects and like if you smooth a square that's stretched to uh uh a weird way it's gonna look it's not gonna curve nicely Oh, uh, okay, okay. So this is like some my previous job, right? I would do a lot in SolidWorks. Yeah. We would do STL exports. Mm -hmm. But then we had a machine shop that were making the, the actual thing. So you'd use SolidWorks to make like a like CAD drawings, right? Yeah. From all perspectives. And then you're like 
even though the geometry in the SolidWorks has like flat sides on like a like a cylinder. Yeah. When you make it in real life, you're not making those flat sides. You're making it round, like when yeah. you're actually machining it. So when, but when you're doing visual effects, like you're talking about, that like those like weird poly, those chunky polygons mm-hmm. are gonna look terrible if you were to use them. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so like you- they do the job for for each of these programs are like just built for their one thing. Right. People, the studio companies will like add functionality into it, and then you as the artists are supposed to understand like what your program does and how you want to use that in terms of a full production pipeline. Right. So like if I want to do some weird, weird stuff with like ZBrush, for example, I've seen people take like programs like ZBrush, for example, and do like sculpts, but also animate it by like doing a new sculpt per frame so it's like kind of like stop motion animation in a program that doesn't do any animation. Oh wow! So people find people find like interesting ways to use these tools in non traditional ways. Mm-hmm. But you also have your regular production pipeline where things feed into each other pretty straightforward. Gotcha. Okay, so I guess so for a project like the like the BTS City, right? How many different programs went into that? Like how many? So, um. A lot of things with like the cities, for example, we we use like some pre-made assets because it's not realistic to kind of like fit the production of building buildings in that okay. scene. So we kind of cut down where we can so we don't have to use as many programs as we normally would. Mm-hmm. But on average, it would be just uh, things like Maya, uh, Maya to Substance, uh, and then brought back into... Uh, either cinema 4d to be lit using something like redshift or v-ray which are uh uh, traditional renderers Mm. uh redshift is a real-time renderer kind of closer to what like unreal would do Mm -hmm. um there's different classes of things so okay it's complicated field so so for my you're like you're making the city as like an object yeah. and we take it to what you say the next one was zbrush uh or... zbrush is used if you want to do like high detail work on a surface okay. so that's so when if... you would put the texturing and like yeah okay. you would kind of like put all that like if i'm sculpting a hand I would make the hand in like Maya, mm-hmm. the general shape, and then bring it into ZBrush and start sculpting all the wrinkles and getting like the skin texture on mm. there. And then I can bring that into something like Substance, which would add like all the color to it, of which you would need to do things like um, like subsurface, which is like you're, now you're controlling the light that passes through the object. Mm-hmm. And you can have like veins like show up if you have light. Uh, a light source like uh shining through it so if anything to kind of recreate reality we have to like account for Mm. a lot of a lot of details to to pay attention to that's really cool that's really like it makes sense like the workflow like that where it's like i guess coming into this episode i assume that's like if you're making something from a for a commercial you might use one program for every aspect of it like oh all in one but no it's actually like oh we break you break it up by what the program is trying to achieve or capable of okay cool (laughs) yeah a lot of there's a a lot of people are like specialized like one program Mm -hmm. but there's uh in cities like new york there's a lot more generalists that will kind of like um kind of take up a lot of a lot of swords but 
a lot got a lot of problems is like there's so much to learn that it's really hard to be like masterful in any of those things. Right, right. Um, so it's always recommended that you at least master one or two things and then mm. you can learn everything else. So for you personally, like so you started with like physical sculpting and like 3D modeling. Yeah. What is the challenging at what was the hardest thing? for you to learn at what you do now like coming from that origin like was it most difficult to like learn lighting or like fine details or like animation like what was the what's kind of your white whale of skill sets in this animation is the hardest yeah no a lot of times people who are animators are just animators and Mm -hmm. nothing else and then you got people that just do everything else Mm. uh because like animation (laughs) is its own beast right um and a lot of animators, they're like, you can think of them like actors in themselves because mm-hmm. like they are physically acting out these characters for their own reference materials uh, and then watching that footage over and over and over and over again just to get that movement feel just right. Wow. Yeah, because I had uh, I had an animator on here, Nate Ziller. Go listen to his episode. Uh, he, he, <laughs> he described it. He's like, I love it, but I hate it. It's like so tedious, but I love it. Like because he would do he does like like frame by frame type yeah, animation 2d animation yeah so he does like 2d animation videos for youtube and like yeah they look great when they're finished but he's just like there's it takes so much time to yeah. do these i'm like oh my god <laughs> what i like to do is i like to uh i do rigging uh, i mentioned it earlier mm-hmm. um so essentially we take like let's say i have like um oh that like giant robot thing that i mm-hmm. made before I like gave all the uh, legs their own individual controls, so now the animator can just like grab a control, move it a few frames, have it sit down, and then they can like uh, control how the rest of it follows through. Mm. Uh, you uh, you kind of like when you're rigging, you're you are thinking in like an animator's brain, but you're trying to like provide them options. Like, mm. oh, it would be cool if this th- this model this creature this whatever was able to like move in this way right and so you want to provide the animated ability to do that right okay so i'm guessing like you're looking at something with like a bunch of legs you're like are these legs like ball joints or are they just like up and down like, yeah yeah exactly how, did, how does the whole leg does it like when one part extends does the whole thing extend or yeah. okay interesting so when you do like a rigging like that is are you producing like a combined model with rigging file or is the rigging something that like overlays onto the original model? It all depends on what pipeline you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, some pipelines have like because multiple people could be working on one character, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one person could be working on the modeling while another person is rigging that same model at the same time. So like <clears throat> people have access to different stages of each uh things so they can prepare what they need to mm. and then overlay like an updated version of let's say the character's body we can uh, uh continuously update the body while also updating the rig to match it so it kind of is being paralleled produced wow that's cool so yeah <laughs> that makes sense because then you're not just like all right we're not rigging it until the final version is done you want the rigging mostly built and then the fine details later the tweaks yeah we kind of make tweaks over time and then like if let's say a creative comes in and is like we want to make this change and like we did all that work (laughs) Uh, so you have to make sure whatever you're building is flexible to like handle those changes Mm -hmm. uh quickly but 
I say all this, but in realist in reality, while you're on the job, it's just chaos. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. You're like, all right, we have two days to do it. What's what's the most efficient way? But obviously laziest way of doing it all. Yeah. <laughs> Work smarter, not harder. Yeah. So what are the other so like you are a CG generalist. Yeah. And do you pr- you primarily do modeling or so what's your... I have a few specialties. My okay. specialties are uh, modeling, texturing, and look dev and uh, rigging. Okay, so what's what's texturing? Texturing is like adding colors to like whatever you're rendering. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for example, we have this painting. Uh, you would have like the physical model Mm -hmm. uh which has like no color over it and then we would make like a flat image that would be projected over that Mm -hmm. model to give it color so are you making textures or are you just projecting and aligning textures? combination of both Mm -hmm. you kind of will jump back and forth as needed sometimes you'll take like oh like early games are really interesting with their textures because they'll take like things like pictures of beans and like stretch it to an extreme amount and that's like your rock texture yep. in like mario for example yep <laughs> um all those games uh actually had they bought like the same texture resource pack mm. uh so you'll see in a lot of like early early uh, uh 3d games use like the same texture because they all like bought it from the same like i think it was a japanese company too that makes sense okay so i like speaking of Unreal Engine, I used yeah. to play uh like the original Unreal and Unreal Tournament games. Unreal Tournament was great. The first one, Unreal Tournament two thousand four was my shit. That was one of my best games ever. But the, the original one I had was uh on the original Xbox. I think it was three. Uh, okay, was it Unreal Championship? I think it was okay. actually. Because did you have like melee weapons and like you yeah. had like, yeah, dude, that game was sick not, that was that was great not like it wasn't like unreal tournament at all except for like the vibe <laughs> oh. but the the original like so like unreal and unreal 2 tournament 2004 had like the Re- unreal engine like built in yeah. obviously i remember making maps in the unreal engine coming from like warcraft 3 map editing mm. and warcraft 3 map editing i don't know if you ever did this it was just pick in place and like everything was so streamlined, which is mm-hmm. why it was so legendary is because you didn't have to create all the ads assets, mm. but unreal engine, like the old one, it was like nothing is handed to you on a plate. Like you would have to make, make your geometry and like add and subtract it. It was like a CAD yeah. program and the textures hideous. Like <laughs> you would texturize these things. Everything would be stretched or just like wrapped up. Like, Oh, I want a brick texture. And now like everything is the same type of brick everywhere. Oh, yeah, you're like, yeah. All right. This, <laughs> I'm not smart enough for this. I'm 12. <laughs> yeah. You, you come up with some like interesting, interesting models when you're like first learning mm-hmm. or when you're young and edgy. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, it, I don't know. I because like I'm I'm just an engineer, right? So like when I'm making stuff, like I would make like maps and levels that are all very geometric and like mm. very like logically sequenced. I did not make a single thing that was nice to look at. <laughs> I'm used to uh, doing a lot of drawings, so I actually used to play a lot of uh, things like Rise of Nations and mm. Age of Empires. Okay, um, and even the original Far Cry. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which all had, like, map editors. Mm-hmm. So, like, what I would like to do was, when this was, like, middle school, 
was like draw little maps and like wanted to have like believable maps and try to come up with like little scenarios so mm-hmm. I can create stuff for those games. Oh yeah. Um I would create like for things like Age of Empire specifically, I would like design like top down sketches of like castles and, and strongholds to like mm-hmm. recreate and like try to hold li- little sieges in Age of Empires. <laughs> that was the best. Any it's any great. game with a map editor oh, is phenomenal. Amazing. Uh, Halo 3, when they release, when they add Forge, spent all day just making shit. What's crazy is like Halo Infinite is out and they don't have Forge for it. Uh, Yeah, I don't. Apparently they're working on it. Okay, because I'm like, that seems like the biggest ball drop ever because that's what people like is they like weird custom games. Yeah, (laughs) I remember like when I was, uh, me and my friends would uh, just sit down, split screen. We all have our own corners of the maps and like, just like, all right, you build your base, you build your base, you build your base. (laughs) And we'll sabotage the shit out of each other and we'll be like, no, you're supposed to wait like five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) That's sick though. Those, those are the best. Um, So, you were explaining your specialties, so you have the modeling, you have texturing. Then you said something with the word dev in it. Look dev. Look dev. What is that? Yeah, so it's short for look development. So that is referring to uh, doing the material work on your objects. So we have like this physical mic, for example, made. And now we want to give it materials so it actually looks like metal plastic foam Mm. and that kind of consists of like taking creating materials that are actually calculating how light interacts with the object so you're kind of thinking in terms of like lighting Mm. now now you're taking into account like how are rays affected so if like we're talking with like glass we have to deal with things like reflect refraction sorry um where we would have to calculate like the light going through the object, changing directions, then passing back out, now interacting with whatever surface is hit mm-hmm. so that way it has like the right color and then that getting like reflected onto your environment. Um, that's all done through a process called uh ray tracing. Right. Um Okay. So 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 you're like you have modeling, building the thing, texturing putting color or like a skin on the thing yeah then you have look dev which is now like it's making a thing look like the material it's supposed to be but it's mostly lighting that yeah it's about the lighting and how it's how it's interacting with that service so like we know that this can is like yellow uh and now i want to make sure when the light hits it all right it's yellow but it looks like it's a metallic yellow right or like a plastic or whatever okay and which of the, which of and then and then finally you have the rigging the rigging end. which is taking your your model and giving it the ability to move so that way an animator can like mm. uh, think of it like a, a puppet mm-hmm. that you're creating right so that so typically that's your, like your workflow yeah then is there another step after rigging that you do or are you kind of like a handoff after rigging is done normally I'm a handoff but I can do the whole pipeline mm-hmm. um, if I have the focus yeah. Um, <laughs> There's so many things to do. It's hard to like stay focused on one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also like steps after that, which is like uh, uh, lighting, which is kind of self-explanatory. So, uh, so this is it's separate from look dev though. Yeah, because look dev is defining how the light interacts with it. Yeah, but then lighting would be like your scene. How is the actual scene light? Yeah, yeah. So for look dev, you're you're thinking about it like 
this object needs to look good in all lighting scenarios that it's placed in. Right. And then lighting is about like, all right, let's make it make the set like look really nice or have the object lit in a very like aesthetic way. Um, that's about like the artistry of the lighting itself. Mm. Look dev is more focused on like how things interact with that object so that way it could be placed in whatever scene you need. Gotcha. Okay, cool. And then what comes after lighting? Uh, you got rendering and compositing. Okay, which is? Uh, rendering is the taking everything you made, mm. all the textures, all the materials, all the lighting, and like making your final 2D image, your mm. final frame. And uh, after that's done, you have your, your frame sequences, whether you have all your different layers. So... Uh, this would be preparing for compositing, which is now taking all your different layers, all your plates. You have your real life footage with your CG assets and then maybe any smokes that you want to mm-hmm. uh, do. And then ma- color grading that all comes to that final step where it all is put into one. OK, nice. OK, that, that all makes sense. That sounds pretty easy. I could probably do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no one's born writing Shakespeare. Yeah, right. Uh, so, so in this process, I'm guessing you spend a majority of your time modeling. Yes. Okay. So that's like, which is good because that's the thing you liked at the beginning. So you probably spend the longest amount of your time in yeah, there. Yeah. Uh, everything else, uh, how I kind of function is kind of like, I try to dive into everything mm-hmm. and if I like have trouble with something, I'll still kind of work on it over time, but I'll start like exploring other things to like mm-hmm. work on. And like eventually if I break through, like for example, coding, if I get it, if it clicks one day, perfect. Mm-hmm. Do you have something that in this whole pipeline that you do, is there something that you didn't expect to like that you do like? Coding. Coding. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a little little treat when you when that that click happens oh man when when that click happened i was like oh genius <laughs> finally so what what's the i guess of all your like modeling pro like uh projects what's taken the longest time has there been like a whale of a project that just I, took forever i love doing photorealistic type stuff mm-hmm. uh so i spent uh Every now and then I'll kind of like give myself like a personal test where I'll try to create a as photorealistic of a human as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and right now I'm on attempt three and this attempt attempt three is in a, it has had almost a year and a half of work on it on and off. Oh, wow. Um, And this involves, like, full sculpting, full body. Mm -hmm. Um, This time I'm incorporating, like, some uh, mixture of a bunch of different cultures in, like, a tribal-esque type um, uh, feeling. Plus, like, I want it to be wearing a skull of an animal. Mm -hmm. But it's set in a world where all animals are, like, combined with, like, sharks. So it's like a hammerhead turtle. (laughs) um but i'm trying to do it as like photorealistic as possible i'm incorporating um some uh clothing using a program that's actually really used in the fashion industry Mm. uh and it kind of like recreates uh like as if you were sewing and designing clothes um that's called marvelous designer and like incorporating that into like this new character 
uh, to kind of like just like that, that attempt to create something as photorealistic as I can in that time. Mm. So this was my third attempt. My second attempt took me 11 months. Okay, wow. <laughs> Skipped out on the hair, put that girl in the beanie. <laughs> <laughs> hair is its own thing. Mm-hmm. That's an insane itself. Oh, yeah, I bet. I mean, it's like no wonder every time Pixar releases a new movie, they're like, the hair in this one? Really good. Yeah. <laughs> what was the first attempt like? Whew. Not good. Um, <laughs> my first attempt was before I knew any kind of like sculpting. So it was kind of like hand placing vertices uh, and faces to kind of like make a face. Mm. And that's not going very well. That's how I, you end up with Tomb Raider, Lara Croft from back in the oh, day. Oh, it basically was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the, this is just I'm like for doing this like photorealistic process i'm guessing this is just like a, a way for you to push your like detail oriented nature and like really test your skills that and also I, I really like anatomy okay um i was raised in like a, a medical family so mm-hmm. a lot of anatomy books a lot of like you're gonna be you're gonna be a doctor type stuff yeah yeah <laughs> um but like in it, uh it, all these years later has really paid off because now i'm like really knowledgeable of like what i need to know for anatomy for whenever i'm sculpting stuff and like if i want to like fuse uh animals together it's always fun i did mm. like this one where it was like a human combined with an ostrich uh so like the <laughs> leg anatomy was like the was very interesting to mm-hmm. do so for this one like how are our skin textures difficult oh yeah Okay, I figured they would be They're like they must be like one of the harder things to. I mean, make. think about it. You have like all your pores being stretched in all different directions mm-hmm. at any any time you speak. You have like o- about like two hundred muscles in the face alone just yeah. to like make a smile. Mm-hmm. So your it's like an insane amount of work. Actually, l- lately, Unreal Engine uh, Epic has been working on something called like meta humans which mm. are a bunch of scanned based uh um people that are like pre-rigged and those are getting like pretty close to being like f- for having something being procedural mm-hmm. does a phenomenal job of getting something like very like photorealistic it obviously could be better and within time it will be better but for what it is right now compared to like laura croft mm-hmm. um, <laughs> that's sick now we can do full crowds of like mm-hmm. just auto-generated people that l- look realistic oh my my gopro is overheating oh no hang on and we're back oh. um for my gopro overheating um <laughs> it's a first for me i might do it again hopefully not uh but you mentioned um oh fuck, where we were <laughs> So the photorealism, anatomy, and we were talking about, uh, oh, skin texturing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because skin texturing, like, I'm like, I do I do some miniatures painting. Anytime you get to skin, it's like, all right, it's going to (laughs) suck. It never looks real. Yeah, uh, it's if you think about it in just terms of like, oh, we just need to add like red, a red, little bit of red here, a little bit of like yellow here, whatever. It's not going to work like that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
as as I said, would like look dev. It's about like calculating light. So actually, when you're producing textures, you're not producing one color. You're producing maybe like five, six different color maps. So you might have like mm. if you're rendering a face, for example, and if you want like uh, if you're doing it like a high suns, like a very bright scene where like the light is really like pouring through like the ears, for example, mm. you're gonna have a map that has like your your skin like without any like red color into it you're gonna have a layer that that accounts for all like the blood vessels oh wow any veins and then you might have something that control like okay the like the thickness of like your ear so that way like oh this part of the ear is thicker than this part more light should go through here than here so you have it that own texture involved just to do that that's insane. That's so much detail. There's so much detail. And then there's like, there's uh, maps that uh, will, like, you have a f- flat polygon, but obviously there's more detail that needs to be in there mm. and the light needs to calculate it. So we have another texture map that just tells uh, the computer that, like, oh, hey, that's not a flat surface. It's at, in that specific po- spot that you hit with the light. It's actually bent this way. So the light should reflect this way whoa um oh my god (laughs) uh you have uh some stuff called like specular or roughness or gloss maps which Mm. are like okay when something when the light hits the surface how sharp is that reflection right um there's uh every texture has its own function (laughs) yeah yeah it it's i wish it was as simple as just like putting a color and calling it a day yeah what so what what is the in in film and TV what's some of the best human texturing you've seen in a CG human uh or actually even even in a broader sense do you have a movie that's like this is the best CGI for <laughs> for you right now dune dune, dune? is absolutely gorgeous yeah. it's a great combination of using traditional practical effects along with uh cgi yeah um a lot of issues that i have with like movies is, and this is pretty common which is why you normally hear people are like oh i hate cgi movies they yeah. never look good because a lot of times they don't actually properly incorporate it it's just kind of like oh we'll just p- fix it in post or we'll just do it in the post right. or it'll be cheaper to do with this a lot of times it comes down to money but when they dedicate the time and properly like incorporating anything together you have stuff like doom right dune which is like uh for example there's this new technique they're using called like uh sand screens yeah i heard about this uh where instead of using like green or blue you have like a us uh uh like a brownish thing and you're able to use uh use it to like have uh dust and smoke and go all over the front of the characters and and like uh and have it like look believable mm-hmm. rather than before. A lot of times they you would have to have your lighters in your actors in like a another scene trying mm. to recreate the lighting on the set. Everything's not actually reflecting properly. Um in the old days you would see like the green outline around the right. character. Um But like with the with the like the whole thing behind them using a different like the sandy color is yeah. that it all kind of just blends together more naturally. Cat yeah. is chewing on the wires and the GoPro. Okay. <laughs> um. Yeah. It's uh, It's to be more like realistic in terms mm. of your lighting because now, let's say, uh, like 
in Dune, for example, if you want to film inside like the helicopter, all the all the green or blue that's going to come from like a green or blue screen interacting with like the windows is going to be a pain to like uh, deal what deal with cause right. all those windows are reflecting light in a very interesting way in different ways. So you're not going to get as realistic of lighting on, mm-hmm. on things like that. When it comes to CG, what hit makes and makes and breaks breaks of believability is two things: lighting and movement. Mm-hmm. Um, in a still image, you can you can make it something like really blend in. Right. Once it's moving, you will intrinsically know when something's either like too smooth or like too shaky. Yeah, it's like the the uncanny valley. Yeah. And like. I my my big one for this is Tron Legacy. Oh yeah, yeah. The classic, like this was when they were first starting to like try to recreate a human being. Yeah, yeah, it, <laughs> and rough. Uh, you have all the ones where they try to like recreate actors that are like uh past uh. Star Wars has it. Yeah. Um, I forgot which one. I'm not a big Star Wars fan, so I can't mm. tell you the specific name. I can't remember who it was, but um, another one was the uh, the Irishman. Irishman, okay. They did that with like they they made it, who was it Robert De Niro? They like yeah de-aged him like 30 years. I remember uh, I actually saw them filming it mm. uh, near the dorm that I was at. And that there was, was like I saw them prepare like the all the all the vehicles for the shoot. Uh, a few days before and i remember like they were shooting at like 1 a.m or something <laughs> it was uh the scene where i think robert and i was throwing someone through a cafe cafe window <laughs> and like just driving off and i'm i'm just like down the stream like oh shit that's okay. dope <laughs> hell yeah dune dune though was incredible loved it In- incredible i love um uh, like deep lore um mm. halo halo is a good example because i love like the deep lore with like the covenant and like mm. the forerunners it's just interesting so with like dune it sparks that side of my brain yeah um it dune it, i i was so happy and like my favorite movie ever is blade runner blade followed runner. by oh, yeah. blade runner 2049 obviously and then when i found out the guy who's making blade runner 2049 2049 is making dune i was like it's game over it's gonna be incredible (laughs) dennis dennis valville like i have no idea how to say his last name it was like (laughs) dennis denny v yeah um (laughs) but yeah the like dune like the scene with the sardo car i was like i loved it i was like it's so ominous and like dark and like i love how it immediately became like a a meme itself (laughs) all the all the different translations of it and all the like the the remix is done with like just the chance <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was just like it was so cool so well done and i love i just love how vast everything feels like everything yeah. feels massive you so know? what's great about dune is uh all if you pay attention to a lot of like their shot progression they're constantly putting objects next to objects at scale. For example, mm. when they're using like the teleportation gate, yeah. you'll see like the ship go through that teleportation gate, go to the camera, and then it cuts to the next shot of it landing and you're actually seeing it by like its feet level. Right. Uh but then like the the big door lands and people are walking it mm. and you're getting now you're like at human scale and you're like, "Oh, yeah 
Or like when they show the um, God, what are the fr- like the guild frigate, the freighters, where it's like the big cylindrical ship. Yeah, that, I loved it. Like, uh, see, I, I for me, good like sci-fi is one that's like grounded. Those are my favorite. Where like you can logically figure out how half of these things work. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, I love like how they did like the bullets, for example, mm-hmm. where like because their shields stop anything kinetic force, you need something to like slowly drive it through the armor. So like they're oh, I love shit so like that. Cool. It, like honestly, I had read the first Dune book in high school, mm-hmm. and then I watched a movie. And I was like, I fucking love this. Saw a bunch of TikToks of this guy explaining a lot of the Dune lore. Mm-hmm. I was like, I feel like I should read all of them now. I should just like go back, read the whole thing. Like, it's fucking cool. I'm terrible with like the reading aspect of it. Mm. I I'm a I'm all about visuals, so I always love like that uh, visual auditory kind of like presentation. Four hour YouTube video. <laughs> Hell yeah, <laughs> that's great. What did you think? So this is something uh, as someone who does this for a living. What's your thoughts on Avatar? Not the last Airbender, but the the, bl- the blue <laughs> yeah, people one. The blue people one. Um, I I l- kind of like it for what it is, but like it's not actually funny enough. I think uh, when I first met you, it was at your one of your uh, your stand up places, and you were asking the crowd. I remember you asked uh, me about oh, like yeah yes. And <laughs> that's right. You're like, oh, did you work on like Avatar? I'm like, no, that was in 2009. <laughs> and then, yeah, we were roasting you for being the one person who knew when Avatar came out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, I guess, well, what are your real thoughts? <laughs> um, I, I like it for what it is and like what they were trying to do. I love the designs of like the creatures and how everything is grounded. If you look at like, um, uh a, a lot of the creatures there's like those like consistencies of like them having like six legs instead of like four they all have like similar st- uh structures which like even if you look at on like earth mm. when we're doing like creature design we want to make things believable and right. all animals pretty much function in anatomically similar ways mm. so you can see those consistencies and that's what i loved about the avatar movies is like a movie Mm. now movies yeah damn five? <laughs> how are you gonna have a screen like five of them already they, they're gonna make five of them i think they're they're working on all five of them that's insane it's insane no one like like what i understand from it right it came out blew everyone's minds for some reason the story was kind of so-so but the cgi and the it was detail, the, it was the cgi it, it actually marked um several like technological leaps it was a benchmark test it, it, yeah. yeah it basically was actually they the uh software called if i remember correctly a software called mari which is a texturing software uh basically they made that whole system because because um how they did it before was like for one character they attached like a 16k image to each model whoa which was just a f- shitstorm to actually like render yeah so like they developed a new process where a- after that movie and even a little bit during where 
instead of doing like one large texture image that the the computer just is going to have a massive time you know how like it, it's easier to load a bunch of smaller files than like right. one large file and you have if you have millions of assets that are loading in these insanely large files rendering is going to be like a pain to do totally so that movie was such a like shit show in terms of like certain <laughs> certain techniques that like new software was developed solar like we never do this process again wow that's um, crazy <laughs> you also had uh uh virtual cameras that were really used which um incorporate taking a camera with a bunch of trackers on it mm-hmm. and the camera operator actually operating a digital camera uh, that's being tracked and the director can see a virtualized set so you can record your actors doing their thing in their uh, motion capture oh, wow. suits and see the actual scene that the digital scene that you're uh, trying to place them in mm-hmm. uh, and you get all that data at the same time that's a pioneer of that like technology wow which is like basically standard nowadays Okay, damn. Okay, yeah, because I, I all I knew was that it was like this is big for CGI. This is no. It is. It was massive for no CGI. Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I don't know. That's like it's it's crazy how much has to go into this stuff because so like much. you know it's like I mean like the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings right? Mm-hmm. They did all of that. Like the, there's like CGI for yeah. sure, but most of it was built. In real life, and it was and incredible. Even, even even then, like they did a wonderful job combining the two right. together. That's like good CGI is one that you do not notice. Like they praise uh, Mad Max Fury Road for all its practical effects. There's visual effects all over it. Right, right. But like no one notices it at all. The flip side being like The Hobbit, like where yeah. it's like Lord of the Rings, incredible. Everything's blended well. They're like. Like, I remember the the behind the scenes, the making of, they're like, oh, we have, like, we actually have a thousand dudes dressed as orcs yeah. in the front, like, two or three rows of this army, and then we CGI the rest in. Yeah. The Hobbit, like, most, almost everyone in those films is just, is completely computer generated. Yeah. When you watch, like, the Battle of Five Armies scene, it's like, you guys didn't even try. But, but here's the thing, I th- with films like that, it's not a, most often it's not even a matter of, like, trying, it's just it's really, really easy in relative sense to like put so much detail into one character right. in one scene versus like up in the sky camera going around thousands of, of assets going on in the screen all mm. doing their own thing uh, with the same amount of like actual working hours done on both. Right, right. So you got to like, it's a balance of resources, but also another aspect of it is there's not enough like connection between the two worlds. Like Mm -hmm. a lot of my jobs I'm working with like um, footage and like incorporating CG into footage, but like, I don't, I don't have direct connection. (coughs) Sorry. You're good. I don't have direct connection with anyone like on the film set. Mm -hmm. I'm just in my room behind a computer communicating <laughs> with with creatives about what's needed and stuff like that and just right. to get the job done so it's like you want to you feel like you're part of this big thing but like at the end of the day 
you're doing such a small aspect of it. Mm, that makes sense. You're like kind of com- compartmentalized in a way that's like you're not getting the, the bird's eye view of the project sometimes. You're just yeah, focused you, on your piece. You can have so much great work done. Mm-hmm. But then the overall piece is just a culmination of everyone's work. And like if things are going crazy on the on on any other end, you're not responsible for it. But you also can't really do much about it. Mm -hmm. If you know a little bit about that stuff, you can offer to help and people love love that. But like there's only so much you can do. Right. Okay. so we're kind of down to our last little bit here. Uh, Again, like two final (laughs) questions. One, where would you like to see like CGI in like ten years? Is there like a technology that you would like? What's your fantasy tech like technology for CD- CGI or program? Do you have something that you wish would get solved? Um, that's an interesting question. I never thought about it. <laughs> like, cause I just like focused on like what I'm doing right yeah. now. I'm like, all right, if only there was this tool, but like. Things and things like come out every day that you don't mm. even think about. Um, right now, two things that I'm uh, one thing in particular that I'm really like excited about okay. is VR sculpting. Okay. Um, I'm using something called like Adobe Medium, mm. and uh, it's like as if I'm rubbing my hand over a surface to like create something okay so and it's very interesting to like sculpt in like vr compared to like just looking at a screen because it gives you a sense of perspective Mm -hmm. i did like a lovecraftian creature that i was i'm working on where i'm it's a it's so weird to like sculpt it in like real scale yeah and it's it's so interesting to be able to like walk around the creature you're designing at the same time so this is just with like an oculus and like like some yeah yeah so you're able to like just move it around and walk around the space and kind of like create at the same time that's compared to looking at like a screen where it's like all flat and right i guess yeah that that is very exciting it's so (laughs) exciting and i i hope like the tools get like more uh, developed where you can fully produce stuff in um, VR and bring it in. Actually work has me experimenting with a little bit of VR sculpting Mm. for like different projects. I did one for a, another NFT thing. (laughs) (laughs) So at least I'm doing like interesting stuff with, with it. Yeah. All right. Final question. Final answer. What do you love about CG effects or CG? What CG being a CG generalist artist? <laughs> I love that it lets me explore a lot of different things that you would never think you would actually need to learn, like African termites. <laughs> um, and you tend to like find random things that are like suddenly really useful at random times like if you're producing making like a vehicle suddenly if you know have a little bit of knowledge of like how cars work like designing something of your own becomes Mm. like really fun yeah um awesome i love that you you get to do you get to be really good at one thing and then because of that you're touching all sorts of other little yeah and you become to like really like 
knowledgeable in a lot of random fields. <laughs> You're like, I studied this thing really hard for three weeks. I'm an expert. Hell yeah. It's all about that variety. Yeah. <laughs> but then you were in reality. You're like, I don't know shit. <laughs> awesome. Well, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. And Vera, where can the listeners find you and your work? Do you have any plugs? Uh, you can find me on my Instagram j a j perez cg um i don't post as much as i should <laughs> i need to update a lot of things just uh one day yeah, one day all right and you got like links to your website there and all that right? yeah okay. uh, uh my website is also uh j perez cg.com awesome well listeners go follow vera check out all her stuff go look at some 3d models uh go <laughs> go play around in blender for a bit <laughs> yeah try it you'll never know what you you'll find maybe you'll fall fall in love with it and again thank you so much for coming on the show this was wonderful yeah and uh listeners i will talk to you all next week thank you bye